Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Freight to the Point, a podcast from Zen Cargo. I'm Helena Wood and today we've invited our co-founder and chief commercial officer Richard Fatal back on to talk about what's happening in the ocean market, how it's affecting rates and some of his predictions for the coming months. You might have enjoyed last month's episode with Richard. We certainly found it really informative. For anyone that doesn't know Richard, he's been working very closely with customers at Zencargo right from the beginning of the business to help them get the best rates in space, as well as providing bespoke consultations and solutions to customers to help them really derive value from their supply chain. Welcome, Richard. It's great to have you back. Great to be on and thanks for having me on, Helena. Thank you. We really enjoy these monthly episodes with you, Richard. And I think particularly while we're all experiencing the challenge of a market that continues to throw up volatility and change on such a regular basis, it's good to know that we've got that regular touch point to, to talk to you. So let's start right at the top. You know, We've seen all sorts of stuff over the last few months. When we spoke to you last time, we were thinking about what was happening with rates as they were falling. We were trying to get a crystal ball out before the end of the year. What are we currently seeing in the market? Well, there certainly still looks like there's a generalized downward trend on ocean freight rates. It is somewhat a split picture. So the key trades, you know, the big voluminous trades east-west on Asia-Europe, but also on the Trans-Pacific have continued to fall since last month. We're seeing continued regular revisions from the carriers in order to adjust rates, in order to, you know, make sure that they're moving the right capacity on vessels. And, you know, that's very much the picture on those voluminous trades, but on some of the more niche trades. So I would say Europe to Australia and the transatlantic in particular, the trade is much more buoyant and continues to be in an imbalanced position, you know, with demand outstripping supply. And their rates have been pretty stable or if anything, maybe fallen a few percentage points, but no major movement there. So for the moment, it's more of the same trend. So some profitable, more profitable lanes for the carriers, you know, remaining very buoyant, whilst more pressure on the Asia, Europe and the Trans-Pacific trades. And is that what we would normally expect at this time of year? So I I would caution anyone describing kind of the trend as, as normal or, you know, even the new normal. I think certainly a surprise around the corner more broadly in the ocean freight world these days. And whilst there have been significant moves downwards on those trades. They are still at levels that are significantly above the pre-COVID-19 levels. We would normally expect towards the end of the typical peak season and going out of the end of September and into the golden week period that um, rates would fall off a little bit because the Chinese factories shut down. And so, uh, you know, coming out of the golden week period, there is there is less cargo. They've got to restart up and, uh, you know, get, get cargo out the doors to catch really just the end of the year. It's the, you know, the last minute or the last dash attempts to stock up for the key sales period. But I would say, you know, you're really kind of over the peak towards the middle of October and into a slacker season. So it is, it is somewhat reflective of those normal trends. But I would say what is what is unusual this year is that through the peak season, we've seen a downward trend in the rates. And that's really a function of where we were coming from, which was historical highs and a position of demand and supply imbalance, and where we're moving towards, which is you know a situation of reduced consumer demand and an excess supply of cargo space, space available on vessels. So obviously, as, as you say, we've moved through peak season and come into golden week with 
context that's not what we're used to. And, and of course, for anyone that's unsure, Golden Week this year runs from the 1st to the 7th of October. And of course, that's that huge national holiday. Workers in China all tend to, to go home. So all the factories and the manufacturers close down. What do you think we should expect from the carriers immediately following Golden Week? Well, we have seen some extensions of validity from the carriers for Q4. And therefore, I would say that the you know the anticipated trajectory of the market is not one where um, people are expecting a dramatic recovery towards the end of the year. I think the big unknown is whether restocking you know happens a little bit early in the back end of in the back end of December to make sure that cargo sales before the Chinese New Year period. And that very much depends on how, let's say, the early part of the sales season happens, you know, in in November and into early December, as we start to, you know, make purchases for Christmas and, you know, of course, Black Friday, you know, how, how that really looks and what people's stock situation is, and therefore, how comfortable they are rushing, rushing production before the Chinese New Year period next year. And so, you know, surprises might come towards the, the end of the year. But for the moment, the, the general the general indications from the market are that, that they don't seem to think that there will be substantially more demand in October and November. So do you think we might expect things like blank sailings in response to that? So we have already had a substantial blank sailing program announced, and those blank sailings are going to come through over the next few weeks, particularly immediately after the Golden Week period. And we would expect, you know, depending on the Trans-Pacific, the Asia-Europe trade, you know, anywhere from, let's say, low teens up to 20% blank sailings at this time of year. In general, in order to account for the movement out of peak season and the, the Golden Week holiday, and we, you know, we saw that in 2019 and you know we would have anticipated that uh, again this year however the carriers have blanked more consistently and to a to a higher level i would say a few percentage points higher than would be expected in terms of the amount of capacity that's come out of the market and that of course you know will have an effect depending on what the overall net demand position is not only on on, on potentially on price you know where it has the ability to let's say stem the decline in prices and and create some more stability there but also in terms of service disruption. So there will be you know, more vessels out of the market than would normally be anticipated at this time of year. And therefore, where customers do have time-sensitive cargo, it's very important you're actively engaging with your freight service provider to really understand you know, which vessels are going to be sailing in this period and to not be in a position where your cargo is you know, gated into the port waiting for a vessel and that vessel is not intended to sail. Which is really useful. And I imagine it's it's a complex picture, isn't it? Because of course, we've got Golden Week, we've got this slightly unusual peak season that we've experienced this year. Chinese New Year obviously falls early next year. It's, it's in January. And then we've got this sort of global economic picture, which of course varies country to country, market to market. But on the whole, we're seeing trends of destocking, we're seeing inflation increasing. If we think about the UK, there's been a recent quote unquote micro budget released that's that's triggered some some pretty serious changes and, and some anxiety in the market. And of course, in response to that, we've also seen the pound falling dramatically. What ripple effects do you think these economic changes are likely to have on the supply chain? I mean, I think there are a few very important impacts that we need to watch out for. So the first is obviously inflation is what has stemmed some of this demand and, you know, really changed the picture for global economies, for you know, G7 countries. And we are starting to see some of the cost push inflation come out of the market. So whether that's fuel, food prices, you know, 
significant reductions across the board over the last couple of months. And of course, freight is a key part of that and the freight market has been declining. So there is a question of whether some of this cost reduction starts to feed through into pricing and into more demand next year, particularly as it comes as some relief to consumers. That coupled with the fact that governments, particularly in Europe, where they're most hard hit by the cost of living crisis and the energy prices, have really put caps on energy prices. And that's also something that will help consumers. So we're certainly watching out to see, you know, what the impact of those reductions is and whether or not the current recessionary environment is going to be short-lived, how fast central banks act and, you know, what we start to see in the data. So that's certainly really, you know, one of the key drivers. I think the other consequence of, of what's going on in the world right now is what's happening in the FX market. And that also feeds in to the picture. So, of course, in the UK, there's been a very significant devaluation of the sterling, particularly against the dollar, but also against the euro and against global currencies more broadly. And if you are a UK importer of goods, you know, your your freight prices are coming down, but they're coming down less quickly in sterling terms. Your raw materials prices are coming down, but they're coming down less quickly in sterling terms. And so, you know, there is a question that while the sterling move is good for UK long-term competitiveness, that's, you know, we're not a huge exporter over in the UK. So it can have negative impacts for those importers who are bringing volumes into the UK. Say on the flip side, you know, the US that has a, a stronger and more balanced economy is starting to suffer the consequences of having a very strong currency. So, you know, economists are starting to think about that and how that impacts trade flows, although we don't see it as necessarily having an impact in the immediate term. So I think you have those two kind of almost countervailing forces, the impact on these currencies, which can be negative for trade, whilst you have the you know positive impact of inflation reducing more recently and keen to see whether the, that, that inflation reduction is starts to feed through into, into demand and into volumes. I think the last major thing on, on, on our radar in particular is the extent to which, you know, inflation actually comes into the real economy as as you know, let's say wage pull inflation and whether employees start to really demand significantly higher wages. And of course, we see that in the freight world um, with the industrial action, which is already happening uh, across Europe, but in particular in the UK with strikes that you know, already having happened a couple of times at two of the major ports. Which is, which is a great point. And, and we're going to come on to that industrial action in one moment. But I do want to ask one more question just as we think about the economy, which is related to how to approach tendering. Because I think a question that we're hearing more and more often is, should shippers think differently about tendering coming into this next Chinese New Year? Should they be approaching the carriers in a different way? Should they be thinking about anything different with their freight partner? What advice would you give to anyone who's who's preparing for their next tender? I think the the first thing that you really need to know going into a tender season is is to understand your volumes and your flows. You know, what are they going to look like from a seasonal perspective? And what also is your certainty around your volumes and your flows? And that can be a key driver, both in terms of the conversation that you're able to have with your partners around the procurement power based on, you know, what your forecast realistically looks like. But it can also drive decisions like, do I want to, you know, enter into a longer term contract or relationship with my partner because I have a real sense of the stability of my volumes? Or do I have less certainty? I think the other thing that's important to understand is what is your own trade-off between service and price? 
We've come from a couple of years where we've seen that service can really make a very big difference to your, to your end customers. But of course, you know, these very high freight prices have had enormous impacts on cost of goods sold. And each customer has to think about like the right balance and the right trade-off for that. So I think going into a conversation, you know, with your freight provider where you can give them, uh, you know, a very clear sense of volumes, stability of those volumes, but also, you know, your priorities will definitely lead to you being able to have a more productive dialogue and come to solutions that will deliver the best outcomes for you. Because there are a lot more products available in the market, both in terms of how the rate is established. So whether it's fixed or, you know, whether it might float or change a period over period, the, the time period that you contract over, um, but also the penalty clauses that are associated with the agreement that you enter into and whether or not you're comfortable, you know, with having any of those penalty clauses and what the quid pro quo is as a result of those clauses. So uh, all of those decisions about how to contract really come from understanding your priorities and your flows and the certainty you have around those flows. Thank you for that, Richard. That's super interesting. And I know you've been having a lot of sort of rates and, and tendering and contracting focused conversations with send cargo customers and, and, and actually non-customers who are really just looking for advice on how to approach this incoming tender season. I'm sure I'm not going to offer out your diary, but if anyone is wanting to have a, a similar rates or, or diversified rate strategy consultation, it's something we could definitely do for them. Certainly. And, and really, really happy to engage in those conversations and whether we work together or we don't, but just to share kind of openly what we're seeing in the market and, you know, how we would approach it on our side. Great. Thank you. Now, let's come around to some other orders of business. And you mentioned this previously, but of course, in the UK, as in many other countries, we've seen repeated industrial action in this space. So earlier on this quarter or, or last quarter, we saw industrial action at the port of Felixstowe. Then we saw Liverpool. Felixstowe are now starting their second strike of the of the last couple of months over their, their salary and compensation for dock workers. What do you think this is is sort of meaning for shippers? And are we going to see any longer tail effects of these strikes? Look, I think I said last time that if the same industrial action had come into place a year earlier, it would have been a much different outcome. You know, the reality is that fortunately the network has more capacity in it with the reduction in volumes that we've seen over the last couple of months than it has historically. So that's actually very helpful in terms of mitigating some of the disruption that this industrial action has and will continue to cause. But of course, there have been you know adverse effects from the industrial action, whether that's boxes that have been rerouted to different ports, um, vessels arriving significantly later than originally scheduled. All of these things have you know, impacts on customers, customers who have been, you know, struggling to plan the right inventory levels over the last year and just comes as another shock to the system and situation that has to be managed. But I guess the, the good news for shippers this time around is that that capacity and, you know, slack at the ports has meant that we've been, particularly in the UK, we've been able to mitigate some of the problems and, you know, customers have not been as hard hit as they might have otherwise been. I would say that notwithstanding the rates environment, it continues to be an operationally challenging time to be a carrier. And the, you know, port strikes are just one of the many things that they have to contend with. And that, you know, means that they're having to reroute and make changes to their schedules on a regular basis, which of course have knock-on effects in terms of customer service and means that they're very much playing catch-up on a regular basis. That makes sense. And I can understand it being a, a challenging time Obviously for, for shippers, but I can see it knocking on and being challenging for the carriers as well. And I suppose 
the hope is that while industrial action may well continue, if, if workers and, and the unions are not able to find a suitable agreement with the port authorities, let's hope there's not a knock-on impact where shippers begin to lose trust or or start to make different decisions based on the fear and the perception of how industrial action may impact their, their decision-making and their supply chain. I would say, Helen, it's you know, often very difficult to mitigate these things. You know, Many shippers might have looked to reroute their cargo to Liverpool after the situation in Felixstowe and found themselves facing another strike at the port of Liverpool. So you know, what, what really is important is that you have the uh, relationship in place with your partners and the visibility over what's going on in order to be able to mitigate things when, when they do go wrong. Because the current situation around both port congestion and industrial action is one that it seems you know, is very much out of the control of shippers. I think that shippers must really feel that. And, and Richard, just coming to the end of our podcast for today, is there anything else that's going on that you think we need to be or our shippers or our audience needs to be aware of? I think we're just entering into contracting season for next year, and I think it's certainly an interesting time. On the one hand, you have a lower demand environment and a lot of vessel deliveries that are happening next year. And so, you know, that that has the potential to create downward pressure on the rates. On the other hand, you have an environment of significant cost push inflation for carriers across the oil price across the cost of operating at the ports, again, industrial action pushing up wages, you know, the slot costs for renting the vessels, all of these things have contributed to higher operating costs for carriers over the last couple of years. And, you know, one more thing to add to that, the impact of the IMO regulations, which means that some vessels will have to come offline next year and adjustments be made to sailing times. And so you have to weigh these two effects, you know, the demand and supply environments, new vessels in the market, and those operating cost challenges that the carriers have, and look at how um, how things pan out for next year. I think, you know, consensus continues to be that rates will settle, you know, considerably lower than last year's contracting period. But the, the open question is, you know, what sort of a premium is built into the market as a result of those cost pressures that we've seen over the last few years? Makes a lot of sense. And more to come. I think when we speak to you next week, Richard, it'll be really interesting to to dive deep into contracting sort of season because everyone I think will be very much thinking about contracting and may already be in progress. And also things like that upcoming IMO regulation, it's going to be even closer. So thinking about how that's going to impact the the capacity in the market and whether that's balanced by the, the order book that we're seeing and, and everything that comes with it. Certainly. And happy to deep dive into that topic. It's one we've been following closely on our side. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for sharing all of that fantastic insight. It's always wonderful to speak to you. And a huge thank you also to our listeners for tuning into this episode. And if you are interested in hearing more from Richard, don't forget to tune in to our upcoming virtual conference, Navigate, which is airing live on the 6th of October. And for anyone that misses the 6th of October, there will be recorded sessions that you can access through our website. Richard's going to be having a a really interesting conversation at the Navigate conference with our very own Anne-Sophie Freeberg, our VP of Ocean, and also Peter Sand from Zanetta, who's their, their chief analyst. So, Rick, I I know that you'll be speaking with Anne-Sophie and Peter, probably having a bit of a debate about what's going to happen in the space and and how the rates market is likely to evolve over the coming months. We're really looking forward to having you at Navigate, Richard. Yes, it's going to be great as ever and really looking forward to having all of you in the audience join us there. 
Excellent. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe our podcast. And if there's anyone that you would like to hear from on an upcoming podcast episode, feel free to get in touch on LinkedIn to make your suggestions. And until next time, goodbye.